nerds, and welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for that right balance of coverage for the games you play on the table and on your television. You can think of us as the Oreo cookie of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network, and I'm one of your hosts, Kyle. Joining me as always on this co-op adventure, the guy who only takes his Oreos one way, and that's double stuffed. Josh, how are you doing this evening? Very good. Um, uh, I only take them one way through the mouth. <laughs> have you ever had a double stuffed Oreo? <laughs> oh, of course. Come on. You know you what? Say- I, don't, I don't think I have. I don't think I've ever actually had a double stuffed Oreo. That's crazy talk. You gotta, I know. You got to take the top off of that, and then you do quadruple stuff Oreo. Well, wait, dude, <laughs> that's just crazy. <laughs> I feel like that shouldn't be allowed. That probably is illegal in some states. That's a lot of that's a lot of stuffing. It depends on what you do to it after you do that. That's where the illegality <laughs> comes in. Man. <laughs> but this is not Oreo Oration. That's a show that's owned by someone else. Was, oh, yeah. <laughs> that is a show that is done by someone else. This is a podcast about board games and video games. So thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter. Check out the awesome stuff we'll be posting there. Um, Josh is killing it over on Instagram with posts, and so be sure to follow us on Instagram, also at Board with VG. And then also tag everything that you're doing, the games you're playing with hashtag Board with VG, so we can check out what you're doing, whether or not you label us directly. So with that out of the way, let's get to some awesome gaming. Josh, what has been taking up space on your table this week? Oh boy! Well, we got Pandemic Legacy Season Two. I know I can't really talk about it. Have you started it yet? Because spoilers. Well, so I don't know if I ever told you my dilemma. So, yes. I, no, I did tell you my dilemma. Yes. We played with two of our friends. Mm-hmm. So, and it's been over a year since we started season one. So, my wife and I decided that the two of us would would do Legacy Two on our own. And it says like you can you don't have to have played season one. Well, right away, I feel like the narrative requires you to have some knowledge of season one. So I'm like, okay, this is off to a slow start. And then, you know, I read the book. There's a tutorial or a prologue mission that they, you know, they recommend you play it as much as you want. We were going to do that, and then I couldn't get her to commit to doing anything. <laughs> so I was a little frustrated. Uh, so I said, okay, and th- I th- this isn't a spoiler, um, but there's a part in the book while you're going through the setup phase where you are to uh, um, already you name three what they call havens in the game right mm-hmm. away, and then you create five characters right away. So I said, can we at least do that? Now, so, here's the important question. Yes. Am I one of the characters you created? No, no, all of our characters are... Uh, based off of original names based off of other things. So like one of the characters looked, reminded me of like a, an avatar character, the way the girl had a like face painted on uh-huh. and she had like braids. So I looked up um, cause I couldn't remember Zoe Saldana's character name from avatar. So that's, I named that girl that name. I'm already forgetting the name. When we started, <laughs> I named that character Bastion after one of my favorite games. Um, and then Which is wife, a great game, by the way. Yeah. And then my wife named the other three characters. So we named them, um, took care of the board, realized we probably should have bought better Sharpies 
maybe finer point sharpies. So I think we'll do that before we continue. But I'm going to talk to you about the game we I did actually play. Okay. When we when we played it, my my our friends came over that normally play Legacy with us, and they saw that I had it, and then they were like, "We want to play that with you." Can we just like we're kind of done with Legacy Season One? We're we're kind of at a stopping point. So can we just play this with you? And I was like, uh, <laughs> I mean, I was like, yeah, I want to play with you guys, but <laughs> so now we have to decide. <laughs> do we want to potentially ruin our friendship and not include them in this? Or do I want to potentially never finish Legacy Season 2 as well? <laughs> or you get two copies of it and you yeah. play one with them and one just the two of you. We might we might just get another copy. Give it to them as a gift and then play with them. But anywho, I'll go, I, we'll talk about Pandemic Legacy once we both start getting into games and we can get people spoiler alerts and stuff. Um, so one of our my other friends came over who we never see. So I let him uh, pick the game. I said, go into the other room, pick a game. I got all these games. So he walks around, he's looking at all my games, and he picks uh, the Big Book of Madness, which is a great game. I'm a fan. I like it. Uh, uh, so he picks it out. I'm like, great. Okay, cool. This is easy to this is easy to learn. So we get down, and of course, I forget all the rules. So <laughs> I'm trying to explain the rules, and I'm telling the rules wrong, and everyone's like, I was like, just let's just use the book, and we'll just go. Um, so the setup, the base of the, I'll say this before we started playing, I told them my wife and I had played this twice in a row. It's one of the first board games my wife has wanted to play immediately after playing. Like she never wants to play a game twice in a row. So that that's good. It says volumes for the game. We did lose both games. Uh, so we're, we're setting the game up and, uh, Here's the premise. You're out. You play. All your characters are. I want to say like uh, students in a school. I mean, this is very much uh, Harry Potter style board yes, game. Yes, it really um, is. You play students. Each student has a special ability. There's ten uh, characters available to play. Um, it's a two to five player game. I, I actually, I wish I had the game in front of me because I would tell you who made it. It's a, it's by Yellow. Uh, which is I-E-L-L-O for you people who um, don't avidly play board games. Uh, they're a great company. They make a lot of very uh, family-friendly and accessible games. And all the games are beautiful, stunning artwork. And this game is no exception. Um, so what you do is pick your character. You go through the setup phase. And, and essentially what you're doing is you're, while you play the game, you're literally opening this uh a quote-unquote book that you put together. It's the big book of monsters, or madness, sorry. And uh, it's very Lovecraftian as well. Like, you take horror or madness as you play, um, and that's basically how your character deals with the crazy things it's experiencing. Like, if you were to walk into a haunted house you're, you're and you're stuck in there for an hour, you're slowly going to degrade mentally. So they make your characters represent that and what you do is you flip the top of the book open and you will have a monster on the left side of the book and the monster inflicts a uh, immediate effect on you 
which is always bad. And then it also inflicts curses. And they're all elemental based. So you have earth, wind, water, fire, uh, and air. No, that's wind. Ugh. Earth, wind, water, <laughs> fire. Yeah, earth, wind, water, fire. And um, as you, as what happens is uh, these curses that come out, they're typically a curse card that has a negative side effect on it. And usually four of the same icon, depending on the curse. So if it's an air curse, you have four air icons on it. And you need to spend four air cards, which are in your deck, to dispel that curse. Uh, you are allowed to, each character has a, a support deck where you can put cards on the outside of your character, which are then considered a pool where any active player can take cards out of that pool to use to cure these curses. Um, and as you progress, um, you don't have to cure all the cures in order to progress. Basically, if you can get to the end monster at the end of the book, that's really the only monster you need to defeat. But you have these things called uh, madness tokens, and if they run out, you lose the game. And these madness tokens are constantly given to your characters during the game. So if you decide to pass on curses for a round, you might get eight madness, which is debilitating and can... In, uh, in a five-player game, you only get 30 Madness. Uh, so that, that's almost a third of the available Madness in potentially the first round. So your goal is hand management, communicating, using special abilities. Uh, and if you do manage to cure all the curses that are on the board, you will get a positive victory, re uh, victory reward. But if there's even one single curse left, you will suffer a defeat, uh, uh, you'll suffer defeat, and you will have to take a penalty for that as well. Uh, this game is punishing. It is very difficult. In fact, our first game maybe only lasted 40 minutes, and someone was like, can we just play this again? Because <laughs> this game is so hard. <laughs> and, yeah. And we played it again. We're like, sure, we already have it all set up. Let's let's play it again. So we played it again, and we got crushed again. And this time we decided to like let some monsters just go by, could try to build up our decks before we got to the next monsters. And we, you know, we we were, we were one step forward, two steps behind because we were just getting crushed. So it's fun, and that's the most important part uh, to take away from this game. Is that you don't uh, you do mind losing? It's it was awful losing, but it's a fun game to play. Yeah, it's a especially the artwork is deceptive for how challenging the game is because the artwork is I don't want to say cute, but it's a little cartoony. I mean, it's sure. beautiful. It looks great, but it really sets you up thinking that this game is probably going to be a little bit easier than it actually is. It's a yeah. very challenging game. I made the comment while you we were playing. I was like, this is hard for a kid's game. And they were like, <laughs> this is not a kid's game. Don't tell us that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it just looks like a kid's game. Yeah. Uh, I believe the designer is uh, Maxima Romberg. 
He's okay. French. Um, he also did, oh gosh, uh, it, a game that just came out this year. Um, Arenas? Uh, no, I oh, think it was Arena, Ar- Arena for the Gods. Yeah, is okay. his his other game that he. I think that might be his second or third game only. But the Big Book of Madness for sure was his like first like big breakout game. So yeah, it's so good. It's 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 a great game. I recommend it for anyone who wants a challenge. Uh, and maybe we're just terrible at board games. Maybe you're gonna tell me you picked it up and you beat it day one. It's very possible. <laughs> No, we, I mean, we like it and we definitely have beaten it, but it was not, I mean, it took, this is one of those games that my wife immediately fell in love with and we played over and over and over again. Uh, so we got to the point where we were winning and winning pretty regularly, but it was not immediately. That is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's great. I love it. Um, I'm, I'm glad we get to spend that much time playing it. Uh, so it was fun, but Enough about my shortcomings. Why don't you tell me about what you played this past weekend? So, you know, I'm, I'm going to go through my game pretty quick just because I think our board game show topic might take maybe a considerable amount of time. And we got to, you know, be respectful of folks' time. So I'm going to run through this pretty quick. Um, the game that I played a little bit this weekend is a, is a little bit of an older game, but I think it's one that we continually go back to and we're looking for a strategy game that isn't going to tax our brains too much. Uh, and that is Lords of Waterdeep, uh, designed by Peter Lee and Rodney Thompson. It's a strategy game set in the Dungeons and Dragons universe, which is probably a turnoff for some people right away because they hear D and D and they're like, "I don't really want to touch this thing." I'll be honest; I've never played Dungeons and Dragons in my entire life, but I still think this game is great. I have no idea how this fits into the lore of Dungeons and Dragons, and you don't need to, but it is just a really cool entry-level strategy game. You play as a mysterious Lord of Waterdeep. Uh, and there are numerous of them in numerous of them in the game. Each have different powers, so there's some variable player power there. Um, and you're just basically trying to increase your influence over the city. And this is basically done by you have agents that work for you. You place them in locations around the city, and they earn resources for you to complete quests. That is basically the game. Now there are some intrigue cards that you have that increase player interactions. You can like attack other players or give them mandatory quests to do that they have to finish before they can do the quests in their hands and things like that but for the most part you're literally like putting people in places collecting those resources bringing quests to earn points and moving on to the next person and that for the most part is the game so it's an excellent quote-unquote first euro so if you're if you've heard of european games or you're thinking about getting into your euro games uh lords of Waterdeep is a really good uh entry or step into those games. It's going to give you the basics of how things work. It's going to have a little bit of player interaction. Um, so there's a little bit of take that with it, but it's also going to kind of give you the feel of like, hey, you put people in places, you gain resources. How do you manage? Like, how do you plan what's going to be most important? Because, you know, if the, your opponent puts a person in a city or in a location, you can't put a person there. So if you need those resources. Now, what do you do? So it's it's a cool game. And I think for how straightforward it is, um, because of there's a lot of different buildings that can be built. There's all those variable player powers, but depending on which lord you are, it really makes the game feel a little different every time you play it. And a uh, nice thing to it is the expansion for it, Scoundrels of Skullport, is excellent. So I definitely recommend just the base game of getting that. But if you enjoy that base game, the expansion for it just makes it that much better. Um, it's one of those expansions that I pretty much almost never play the base game anymore. I pretty much always play with that expansion. 
Um, and again, the D&D theme, if that's not something that is up your alley, that is okay. Uh, you know, one thing you'll quickly learn when you start playing a lot of Euros is theme typically doesn't matter anyway. Um, but you don't need to... If anything, I think this game suffers from the theme because I think it turns people off because they're like, oh, I don't want to do anything with D&D. Um, but I, I think that people are definitely missing out. So definitely recommend it, especially if you've never really played Euros before. That's Lords of Water Deep. Yeah, I love that. I love that game. And uh, and D&D did keep me away from that game uh, for a while, uh, stupidly. Um, but only because I just assumed it was heavy on the story aspect of D&D. Um, so... I it always turned me off, and then one day we were at a friend's house, and they were like, "Let's play this." We just got it, and we've only played it like once or twice, and it's super easy to pick up, and it's it's great. I love it. It's one of my favorite games, and we don't have the expansion, so I'm glad to hear that it's a good expansion. It is. Have you played any of like the Castle Ravenloft or Legend of Drizzt or any of those other the other ones? No, but I, I think I want to now because I've heard like Dice Tower say some good things about them. Um, and I've, but it's always been like, I see that Dungeons and Dragons banner. <laughs> I'm the exact same off. way. I'm the exact same way. Like, I really like this game. But then I like look at those other ones. I'm like, man, these look cool, but it's Dungeons and Dragons. And I probably would love Dungeons and Dragons if I were actually played it or, yeah. you know, had a group to play it with, but I just never have. So I feel like. Well, I've never really experienced Dungeons and Dragons, so how can I play this board game set there? I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe someday. Yeah, no, I hear you. All right, so we're moving on. Let's do it. Okay, as promised, uh, it's time to start talking about the holiday board game buying list. Uh, Kyle and I uh, have been talking about this for a while. We're really excited to ta- to tackle this topic, um, um, but the challenge is that there are so many. Uh, and not that there's so many board games, but there's so many types of board game. Um, I would guess we're not going to have Monopoly on either of our lists. But my boss at work today was like, what do you guys, you guys talk about like trouble and sorry? And I was like, <laughs> no. And then we get into a topic about ColecoVision. So that was a, a nowhere <laughs> conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I so think it was Tom Vassell who was talking about how he was really bummed that the Pop-O-Matic hadn't made it into more games. Yeah, I know. Yeah, just yeah, not too long ago. <laughs> uh, so this week, we're just going to start with some personal recommendations, um, just games that we uh, have personally and that uh, um, that that we want to recommend. Um, no structure. Well, there is a structure. A structure is... Uh, Kyle's going to talk about a game, and then I'm going to talk about a game. <laughs> That's our structure. Um, we're going to do a top five. That's not, not well. We're going to do five games. It's not a top five. Um, so we're going to give you ten games. I'm um, I'm realizing as I have my pile of games with me that I can see you and you can see me, and I'm I'm about to hold up these games to the camera for <laughs> just for you. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'll take pictures of my games after we record. I'll put them on Instagram. Uh, for the games that I have that Kyle owns, I'll take pictures of them, and then if I can take pictures, I can I can take pictures of the other okay. ones and send them to you, and or I'll send, post them, them. send them to me, and then I'll post a, a, a Josh list and then a Kyle list on the Instagram, so you guys can check out. I'll do fronts and backs, so you guys can get an idea of um, what you're looking at before you go shopping. Um, 
So let's just get right into it. So uh, give me your first game, sir. Yeah, so we're going to bust through these pretty quickly. So like I said, check out, like, or like Josh said, definitely check out that Instagram post. But the first one I'm going to recommend, and literally what I did is I stood up my shelf, I looked at all of my games and said, you know what, this game is fun and I don't think people talk about it much anymore. So most of my games are a little bit older because I think it's really easy to find information on the new hotness. So my number five is actually Sentinels of the Multiverse. Uh, it's a cooperative superhero card game. Uh, each hero has a pre-built deck, so there's no drafting or no or no or nothing like that that needs to happen. Uh, you just each hero, you have a hero who has some special powers. They have a deck that's kind of built around those special powers, and then you are just playing cards as a team to try to take down a supervillain. It's from Greater Than Games. That's mostly what they do is they do you know Sentinels of the Multiverse. There's a lot of expansions to it as well. So if you get it and you enjoy it, it's really easy to add to the collection to make the game. Uh, feel different and unique each time you play it. The box that I have for that thing weighs a ton because there's so many darn cards in it, but I love it. It's a game that I think for superheroes that have no real affiliation to like DC or Marvel, these are their own creations. I think they did a great job with them and I definitely recommend and still enjoy playing Sentinels of the Multiverse. I can't get past the art. Really? I don't. I yeah. think it's pretty great. I think it's wonderful. I have a tough time with it, but whatever. That's, that's in the picking. Here, can you hear it? I My can. first game is Lanterns. Hmm. So Lanterns uh, is by my friends at Renegade Studios. <laughs> uh, not Renegade Studios, Renegade Games. Um, essentially, uh, it's a very beautiful game, and it's a very easy to pick up game. And what you're doing is uh, it's a two to four player game. Uh, it's this is a game that's great for families. Uh, it's uh, I think it's ages like six plus. And what your the game is based on is a um, Japanese lantern festival, and what you're doing is placing tiles, um, not not dissimilar to Carcassonne or games like that. And what you're attempting to do is um, gain points by matching colors of lanterns on cards to. Uh, essentially shoot fireworks to celebrate this festival and you'll have, uh, they do have expansions, but basically what you're doing is gaining points for combinations of colors, um, having like a certain amount of the same color or um, one, of, one of each color. And as, as the game goes through, it's essentially a victory point game, but uh, it's very beautiful. It's cheap. It's not, it's an easy game to get into. It's a great entry level game, um, but it is in the lower level for player count. So two to four, uh, you got to have a, a relatively small family or an average family. Um, but this isn't this isn't something I'm necessarily playing at Thanksgiving. This is something my wife and I will bring to a hotel because uh, it's easy to pack, and uh, and it's quick and easy to play. It's about thirty minutes long, so it's a nice nice quick and easy. Awesome. So my next game, uh, you'll notice something on my list as I did this. I really like apparently like kind of take thatty stuff. Uh, my number four game is actually a game that was brought back and reprinted, and I think they did a really nice job with it. And that is Sheriff of Nottingham. Uh, if you are enjoy bluffing and lying to your friends or and or family, Sheriff of Nottingham is right up your alley. But basically, what you were trying to do is you were trying to bring your goods to sale in Nottingham and you have to get them by, and you might, you know, maybe be trying to sell some contraband too at, you know, while you're there. So you have to try to bluff and get by the sheriff 
what you were bringing into town. So basically everyone has a little bag. You put in the bag, like the goods that you're bringing, you hand it to the sheriff and say, I am bringing six apples. And maybe in your bag, you have six apples. I think I can't remember if you can actually guess six. We'll say four, four apples. Um, and maybe you have four apples. Maybe you have three apples and a crossbow. Uh, so then it's up to the person who's the sheriff that round and the sheriff rotates to decide whether they think you're being honest or lying. So your goal, again, is to get as much of your good stuff through as you can and as much of the contraband through as you can without being caught. Uh, so being good at lying is helpful. I know so, some people, they feel bad with their children about encouraging them to lie. I don't have kids, so I can't talk <laughs> about whether you should or should not do that. But I think if you teach them this in the context of a game, maybe it's okay. Um, so yeah, it's a really enjoyable game. I think who you play it with is helpful. So if you have fun friends and fun family, then it's great. If you don't have fun friends and fun family, well, sorry, it's probably not going to be as much fun. But I have a great time with it. I think it's a ton of fun. Uh, it's part of the Dice Tower Essential lines from Arcane Wonders, and I highly recommend it. That is Sheriff of Nottingham. Awesome. I do enjoy that game very much. I wonder if we're going to have any overlap, because we didn't share these lists with each other. So this will be interesting to see. Well, uh, you have heard of my next game that is on my list, and that is Sagrada. <laughs> and if you are listening to our podcast you know that i don't have to talk about this anymore (laughs) so i won't (laughs) all right (laughs) sagrada it seems cool every time i go to barnes and noble i look at it and i don't buy it but i always think about it so uh the number three game on my list Actually, I felt kind of bad when I put this list together because I realized I put two bluffing games in a row on my list, but it's happening anyway. Uh, this one's maybe a little more of a edge case bluffing game in the sense of some people don't feel comfortable with this game, but I love it. That's Cash and Guns 2nd Edition. Uh, you in this game are playing as mobsters who have just finished a heist, and now it's time to decide who gets what loot, and how you decide that is you <laughs> point foam guns at each other so you there are foam guns in the game that it comes with and you decide um after once the loot is put out who you want to potentially shoot uh and if somebody gets if you get shot you don't get to take any of the loot um and but at once you get a certain amount of wounds it's bad for you as well so it, it's very it's kind of an odd game because you have somebody who's the godfather and then you tell everyone to all right pick and then you like aim these foam guns at each other and then you have to potentially, you know, the Godfather can pick you to choose someone else. So it's definitely not a game for public. Uh, it definitely is a game that makes some people feel uncomfortable. But the general concept of the game I find very, very fun. Uh, there are people I know who play it just pointing instead of using the foam guns that come inside. Um, but I think it is a good, fun riot. It's a really good game with friends, especially maybe if you've had a drink or two. Um, it, it can be a lot of fun. And I really, like I said, with the right group of people... Cash and Gun 2nd Edition is a good time, and it plays up to, I think, 8. So if you have a big group of friends, uh, it's really easy to get everyone involved, and it's super simple to teach. In five minutes, everyone understands what they're supposed to be doing. So that's Cash and Gun 2nd Edition. Nice. I have yet to play that. I've heard great things, though. Third one for me is Codenames. This is the new Cards Against Humanity as in hotness factor. Uh, it is two plus players. Honestly, you could play with 35 people if you wanted to. Um, it would probably be confusing, but <laughs> you could. Uh, essentially, if you haven't heard of Code Names, 
it's entirely possible if you've played board, a lot of board games and you might, you probably have seen this, but you might not know what it is. Um, and essentially it is, uh, you play a, oh yeah, we went through this before because I messed up the name. <laughs> you play us, you play spy masters, mm-hmm. uh, who know the secret identities of 25 agents and you have teammates who know the agents only by their code names, which could be Turkey or honey or badger. <laughs> and what you do is essentially you have two opposing teams. Each team has a spy master and they look at this grid that tells them on this five by five board you have laid out of all these words, um, which words represent the spies that they're trying to discover first team to discover all the spies all the agents sorry without discovering the spy or the assassin depending on uh what variant you're playing uh wins Uh, it gets tricky because a lot of times to win you need to be able to combine your only one word clue that you can give out to multiple cards so if i'm trying to guess if i'm trying to win i might say to my team um green five and that means that there are five names on the board that that correspond with the clue green however if i didn't pay enough attention i might have been leading them to pick the other team's card or the uh, innocent bystander which ends your turn or the assassin which makes you lose the game um I've just picked vanilla code names. There are multiple versions. You have code names undercover, which is the adults version, which is just like looter words. Uh, you have code names duet, which I think is great. Great two player game. Really should only be played with two players. And you have code names Disney, which we have. Uh, have not played yet. We'll be playing at Thanksgiving. And then there's also code names Marvel that just came out. So you have a pretty good selection i'm sure there'll be more coming along the way um but that's by cge and that's a uh, check games uh edition which is the name of their company um they do a lot of great games but uh, uh i can't recommend it high enough highly enough and i probably talked too long about it so <laughs> this is okay. we uh <laughs> we have codenames disney as well but we have not played it yet either but hopefully at Thanksgiving, that is the plan. So, yes. uh, my number two game is a game I think is going to be a little more, uh, especially if you have younger folks around and want to try to get them into a game. Um, but I think it plays just as well with adults as well. Um, I have myself never been a fan of Yahtzee. However, King of Tokyo makes mm. me enjoy Yahtzee. So, uh, designed by Richard Garfield, the same gentleman who designed Magic the Gathering. Uh, basically, it's exactly what it sounds like. You are trying to become the King of Tokyo. You get to play as a big, sweet monster. And you are basically using Yahtzee dice rolls to determine whether you are attacking, gaining power, gaining health back. Like, what are you doing on your turn? And it's all based off of Yahtzee dice rolls, style dice rolls. Uh, the one thing I will say is I think the ex- the power-up expansion for me is a must with this game. So it does add a little extra to it because otherwise all the monsters, they look different. But they're pretty much the same if you just play the base game. Whereas the power expansion, power-up expansion gives them special abilities and things that only those monsters can do, which I think is a really cool, um, add some flavor, add some fun to it. But this game, whether I've played it with, you know, kids or younger folks, and I've played it with adults as well, and even people who play a lot of board games, can tend to get into King of Tokyo. So that is my number two recommendation or a game that I think people should play and have a good time with, King of Tokyo. 
Shout out to Kevin Austin real quick because he said some nice words about the podcast, but uh, I gifted that to Kevin Austin. I gifted him my copy because we hadn't played it for a while, and I believe it has the Power Up expansion and the Halloween one in it. Mm -hmm. um, so, Kevin, I hope you've played it or are playing it with your kids because uh, I'd like to hear what you guys think. I think it's a great game, and I'll probably be re-picking it up because I'm pretty sure I'll be getting myself a Allison Hayslip monster soon. Nice. Uh, I will need the game to to incorporate that. Yeah, and there's <laughs> another game from Yellow that's on the list. <laughs> another game from Yellow. Yeah. So my next pick might be your last pick. Uh, we'll see. Is, I doubt it. This is my medium-heavy game. And it's not really medium-heavy. It is. In, in my house, it is. And that is Harry Potter... Hogwarts battle. It is not my pick. I thought oh, about it, but I'm, I'm glad that you picked it. So you don't need to be a Harry Potter fan to play this game. It certainly helps. Um, but Harry Potter Hogwarts battle is a fun and challenging, in my opinion, uh, deck builder game. And essentially what you are doing is you're playing. It's uh, it's two to four players, right? Yeah, yeah it's two yep. to four players. You're playing as... Um, the character, one of the main characters of Harry Potter, my wife and I are playing as Harry and Hermione. I know that's not the right way to go. You gotta but... have Neville. <laughs> gotta have Neville. I'm sorry. I'm, we ship Harry and Hermione, so that's how we play. <clears throat> They'll end up together, I promise. <laughs> no, we'll we'll talk about that later. But continue no on. No spoilers, right? Uh, so. Uh, what we what you got here is essentially, without getting into the nitty gritty, is you're fighting the big bads uh, for location control. You have locations on the board. You're fighting the villains with your characters by building your deck, um, by spending points that you earn through the game, while also dodging, deflecting, and attacking the enemies uh, as well. We uh. We continuously say we need to keep playing it. We continuously are looking at the Big Box of Monsters expansion. Uh, we have yet to bite the bullet, but this game is a must for Harry Potter fans, and it is a great introduction to deck-building games if it's something that you're even remotely interested in. It's one of the top three, I would say, is great to start with. Um, and for theme alone, like I said, if you like Harry Potter, don't skip on this game. The appropriate couple to ship is Harry and Luna, but that's fine. We can talk about that some yeah, other time. That's off, off mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I love that game. It's phenomenal. Uh, the Monster Box of Monsters expansion I we picked up recently, but haven't gotten it to the table yet, but I'm excited to do that. Um, my number one game is a game that uh, probably came out quite a while ago. It came out five years ago. Mm. And for a while, was like people were like raving about this game. And this is one of those situations where a game is really good and people like it, but then it kind of just falls off the table and nobody talks about it anymore. And I'm not sure this is necessarily a great game to pull out at Thanksgiving or anything like that, but I think if you're getting into gaming, uh, board gaming or the hobby board gaming, I think it's a really great game to pick up. And that is Seasons. Uh, uh, it's a really cool drafting game from Asmodee. Um, and I put this on the list because this was one of those games that when I first was really getting into hobby board gaming, I played a lot and I really loved. And I, I saw it, I'm like, man, I haven't played that in a while. So I pulled it out. This game has great graphic design, really solid components. It is a ton of fun. And it introduces you to 
drafting as a concept, but then you also get to do a lot of dice rolling in it as well. And that's not something that goes together all that often where you get to draft some cards and sling some dice. And those are like two of my favorite things to do in board games, period, drafting cards and throwing dice. And the fact that I get to do it in that game and in a game that looks so cool and is a game that rewards multiple plays because you start to learn all the interactions of the cards and how to build and draft a sweet deck. Um, I, I just really enjoy it. And it plays pretty quick, too. Like, once you know what you're doing, I mean, if you have a couple of people who know what's going on, you know, you can get through a whole game in less than an hour, which I think is is really awesome. So, you know, if you do see it and you're just getting into hobby board games, I think it's a really excellent one to pick up. Like I said, maybe not for Thanksgiving with a whole bunch of people for the first time, because it only plays up to four anyway. Um, but I, I think Seasons is a game that has kind of gone by the wayside, which is unfortunate, um, because I still think it's quite excellent. Nice. Maybe we should. Maybe next week, maybe we can try to do the family portion of games because we'll be right before Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, we got two weeks, I think, to, to mull that over. Um, before I talk about my last game, I do want to just say real quick, and this is just coincidental, um, but I'm I'm coming for you, Barnes and Noble. I want your sponsorship. Uh, every game that I talked about, including this last one, you can literally walk into Barnes and Noble now and buy. Um, and that just happened to work out. I was just looking at it. Um, and if and obviously online, you can do too. So you can't with mine. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I know. And I, and I was going to lump them in if I could, but um, uh, so I'm probably going to say the name wrong, but the game, this game is, is designed by Manuel Rosoy. Rosoy? Rosoy? I'm probably saying, ah, all these board game designer names, they're, just brutal. <laughs> That's coming from the ignorant American who doesn't want to pronounce other people's names besides <laughs> Smith. At least you recognize. <laughs> and Jones. Uh, this is a heavy game, okay? This is a, a two to four player game. Uh, this is not a light game. This is definitely not a Thanksgiving game. This is Time Stories. Uh, this is a game that you, if you are a board game fanatic, you need to play this game. Uh, just if if not for how beautiful it is, if not for how great the story that comes in the box is, if not for the amazing and challenging puzzles, uh, you need to get it for camaraderie is what I'm going to say. It's really a game that a lot of games pit you against each other and, and this is definitely a game where that could possibly happen if your friends want to be rogue. But this is really a game where everyone sits and they talk about every decision they make before they make it. Because if you make a decision that the group didn't agree with, you could really mess up your gameplay. True. And start, you got to start all over again. Like you're, you're playing time traveler or time travel agents. You're playing these people who work for a company who have the ability to travel in time, forward and backward, in this game specifically backwards, um, to solve something that happened. And I could tell you, but even even telling you a little bit about the game can potentially spoil the story if you're going to play it. Uh, the great thing about it is when I got the game, it was like a $60, $70 game. It's not, it's not that anymore. Um, I don't know the price range, but I know it's dropped since then. But what you're essentially getting is uh, a, a legacy style game because we'll come, be oh, I just said because, right? 
What comes in the <laughs> box is a one story. Uh, so, but then they sell these expansions, which are complete standalone stories that you play with the base game pieces. Um, and some of these are critically acclaimed uh, expansions. That the writing for these games is phenomenal. Uh, it's just something I would say look into. Uh, I'm gonna when I I'm gonna post the pictures of the game. You're gonna look at the box and be like, oh, I need to get it just based on that box alone. It's really the pieces are abstract. They're really cool. It's like looking at a weird art piece while you're playing it. Um, the characters are different and unique and fun to to play. So, uh, Time Stories is a game I wish I played a lot more of. Um, that we just don't because it's one of those games that was huge when it came out and then it just kind of found its way to the shelf unfortunately here how how far have you, have you played more than just um asylum have you played the marcy case or prophecy no, of dragons we didn't get into any of the expansions okay we because we have i think i think all the expansions but we've only we're currently ready to start prophecy of dragons uh yeah this game does have a save system, which I think is pretty cool. It does, which is which is awesome for sure. Which is which is I think unique in board games to just time stories. Uh, there are oh man, well there game? are games coming out that have oh, okay. it for sure. Um, I think oh man, Seventh Continent for sure has a save oh, system. Oh yeah, you're right. Seventh Continent and, does have it. Um, Pathfinder, a- the adventure card game. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's becoming more common, but (laughs) but I think Time Stories was really definitely one of those games that was like on the forefront of that and and pushing that. And I think it is like probably in the thirty to thirty five dollar range on Amazon now for the base. I I randomly put it on my Amazon wish list. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was, Um, and I and um, uh, my folks got it for me as a Christmas gift. That and uh, uh, Seven Wonders. Egypt? No, Babylon? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we have those, but uh, I randomly, what a, what an awesome mistake to just like, I saw the art, the box art and I was like, this game looks cool. And then it just happened to be Time Stories. Like, so, so I'm super happy with that. I mean, and the company name is Space Cowboys. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do Galaxy Trucker also, right? I think so, yes. Which I have not played. I heard it was very good though. Yeah, it's not bad. I'm not good at it, so <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. I, I appreciate what they do with it. I'm just not good at it. So no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, that wraps up my list. So okay, knowing all these games are great, uh, but knowing where to get these games can be just at well, probably even more helpful for some folks. So Josh, when it comes to board game purchasing, you know, what is your general strategy to buying board games like where do you look and do you have like especially with black friday coming up do you have a black friday board game strategy or particular stores or places you go to or look at when it comes to deals yeah i'll talk i'll tackle black friday first because it's not gonna be crazy crazy target leaked their black friday ad they do have a board game sale um so you're limited to their selection, but I would say Captain Sonar is a game that I need to get um, just based on word of mouth, um, and that's at Target. Um, so I think I'll pick that up. Uh, 
You're also going to, I would say for Black Friday, keep your eye on GameStop now because they have, with their partnership with ThinkGeek, they've really expanded their board game selection in their stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of have to weed through the rest of the ThinkGeek stuff that's in there, like the Spencer's Gift stuff. <laughs> um, but if you go into your GameStop, you might have to go deep into the store itself, but you'll find a board game section which does have um, popular, hard-to-find, uh, and good board games. Uh, like I was surprised to find Adrenaline and Through the Ages at my local GameStop. Um, and Star Wars Rebellion, uh, Rebellion uh, as well. So uh, if you if you check their ad out, I'm sure they'll have something about trade-ins, which you can trade in towards board games or just sales in general. Um, and then the places I would say that I shop at, besides Barnes & Noble online for board games, is uh, I think the obvious one is Cool Stuff, Inc. Um, <clears throat> but Miniature Market, I don't think a lot of people know about. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I buy most of my games through them. Uh, they just posted today. Um, oh God! I hope my computer decides not to restart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get one of those Windows notifications. Uh, they posted today. They're going to do a, a Black Tuesday sale on the twenty first. Hmm. Have over two thousand items on huge sale. So they pro- they posted like a teaser. Um, video uh, on their YouTube channel for Miniature Market if you want to check it out where they kind of talk about some of the games that will be on sale. Um, but that's essentially, that's I got Cry Havoc from them for 40 bucks, which is a, a 60 to $70 game depending on where you go. Um, I got Scythe from them for 60 bucks. Uh, so they really have to, really great games on sale. And I, and I will be doing my my Secret Santa or Yankee Swap, depending on what part of the country you're from. Um, gift where we do a $25 minimum for the gift for the swap. And I'm literally just going to go to Miniature Market and you can search, you know, their board games by price. And I'm going to do, you know, lowest price. And I, I looked the other day and I was able to get like 10 games for under 30 bucks. You know, they're probably not going to be great games, but it's good for gifts, stocking stuffers. Uh, Stuff like that. I feel like you're going to be able to find some some good holiday savings uh, in places like that. Um, so those, I mean, those are the places that I would say to take a look at. Uh, as far as my my uh, eye goes, what are you what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I agree with most of you with most of that. Um, I do most of my board game purchasing through cool stuff, just because from a price perspective, they typically are the lowest, even when comparing to like an Amazon. Um, Amazon. Yeah, Amazon used to be really good for board games, and more and more their board games are now sold by third parties. They're not sold by Amazon themselves, and they will have occasional really good sales, like during like International Tabletop Day and stuff. But like generally, like when I just I just ordered three games from Cool Stuff, and I compared their prices to Amazon, and uh, Cool Stuff was probably thirty bucks cheaper total for the three games plus free shipping. So I was like, well, I mean, it wasn't two day shipping. But it'll still be here this week. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, cool stuff is, tends to be where I go online. However, I also regularly frequent. Um, th- I have two friendly local game stores that are very close to me. Um, I go to them often. Uh, one of them is very comic-focused, so they only have a few board games, but the staff there is super great. And the other one has a whole bunch of games. And the staff, it depends on who's working. <laughs> They're kind of hitting this. Uh, but they have a huge selection. Um 
and they have basically like all the hotness of um, they have as many board games. So the, that's the place where all the Warhammer players and all that stuff tend to congregate. But their board game selection is stellar. Um, so I go there, you know, just even look just to see like what's, you know, have I not heard about or what have I missed? Um, so, yeah, so don't be afraid to check out local as well. Um, and if you have a quality friendly local game store, um, I encourage you to peruse their selection and, and go to them if you can. Um, you know, often their prices are going to be a little more than what you're going to see online. But, you know, I like to go there and play on occasion and things like that as well. So, you know, it's helpful to help kind of keep them in business. So, yeah, yeah, outside of that, you know, nothing too different from what you're doing. So, yeah, we have a, we have a great local board game. Well, it's a comic shop called That's Entertainment where they have a huge, awesome board game selection. So if I can go there, I do. And they... If you pre-order, they'll give you 20% off just for pre-ordering and ordering through them. And they typically have good sales. So we'll go there too. Um, same idea. I have to like put my blinders up walking by comics and final <laughs> just to get to the board games. So I get sucked back into that world. Uh, okay, cool. So that's, you know, it's just a little, little uh, couple of, I mean, we'll talk about, as these sales pop up, if we see stuff pop up on like Black Friday ads and stuff, we'll make sure to mention them um, weekly when we podcast. But uh, right now, Target's the only one I saw that dropped an ad that would, would have board games. Um, so that's the start of our, our board game holiday buying guide. Uh, like I said, look for us in the coming weeks. We're going to give you some more focus suggestions. We're thinking... Um, all different themes, so we'll, we'll we'll leave the hanging up in the air, keep some suspense for you guys. Um, but uh, <laughs> one thing we know that our Black Friday deals are are in video games uh, already. Just a target ad alone, I'm like, ugh. I know, okay. right? <laughs> what am I gonna do? So skipping the Black Friday portion, what have you been playing? Well, I'm gonna pull an audible on you. And you're, not, and you're not going to see this coming because I want to be respectful of everyone's time. So we're just going to go to the video game topic of the show. How does that sound? Yeah, let's do it. Let's just skip what we're playing. So uh, it was announced today that Telltale Games is laying off about 25% of their workforce, or around 90 people, uh, in order to better suit the, what they said is to better suit the company for game development and, the, and be competitive moving forward. Uh, obviously, we wish the best to those who have been affected. It's always unfortunate when people get laid off. Um, but I just want to talk, take a minute or two to talk about our relationship with Telltale Games, what we think of them, and what we'd like to see from them in the future. Like, if they're really trying to position themselves to be competitive and improve things, what does this mean for them? So, Josh, from a, what game, Telltale Games, have you played? You know, do you consider yourself a Telltale fan? What are your thoughts on Telltale as a developer? And kind of, when you heard this news, what did it mean to you? Yeah, so, I mean, I started with Telltale at Walking Dead. Um, I loved it so much. I actually looked up what they had previously done. And I think it was just uh, Jurassic Park and Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to GameStop and I bought I bought those games. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> so there was a reason why I hadn't heard of Telltale until, <laughs> until Walking Dead. Um, so their focus definitely shifted for the better with Walking Dead. Uh, I'm not going to bash a company who just laid off. Well, maybe I should bash them for laying off all these employees. <laughs> uh, I really, I loved, I loved um, 
the first season of Walking Dead. What caught me off guard with Telltale was their ability to make Choose Your Own Adventure exciting and fun. Uh, like as a kid, I would read Choose Your Own Adventure books, and those are fun for 10 minutes mm-hmm. until you realize you can just cheat. <laughs> you know, or you can just read every page. Like they they managed to, t- to take that idea and make it in- more interactive, cinematic. I love the art style. Uh, I, you know, and I'll get, I'll, let me get to the games I played. So I played season one, I played half of season two, maybe not even half, played uh, most of season two, uh, played Tales from the Borderlands, Fables. I played the first episode of Batman, um, but I'm a huge Batman fan, so I had to stop myself. <coughs> uh I, the re, the only reason why I didn't finish season two is because it was so long in between plays because it lost my save from season one. So I had to replay through season one of Walking Dead, which when I started playing, I didn't think I was going to hate that idea. Mm-hmm. And eventually it turned into like when, when season one came out, what the best part of it was, was comparing at the end of each chapter, they would give you a page of the decisions you'd make. Right. And, you know, me and all my friends, we would take a picture and then we would show each other what we did. And then we would talk about it. Like, that was awesome. A game that you can play where you think the end outcome is going to be different from each game's playthrough. And then you can say, oh, my God, I didn't save that person. And you did. I wonder how that's going to shake out at the end. Not only like three chapters later to be like, oh, that person I saved died. Oh, mine too. <laughs> so... You know, they did a great job at the illusion, though, of making your decisions matter. Mm-hmm. Um, where I stand on Telltale now is um, I found that the first game had a lot of I- issues and glitches, and I assumed that they were growing pains. And in my case, it wasn't the, it wasn't the case. So every Telltale game I have played, I have had issues with um to end it on the batman thing because i'm such a huge batman fan i was thrilled to play this i was like i can't imagine a better company to pick up after rocksteady did the uh, uh, phenomenal arkham games to get us a narrative choose your own adventure batman game i was like this is awesome so i played the first episode I very vividly remember meticulously playing this game the way I want my Bruce Wayne and the way I want my Batman to be for my story until there's a scene inside Bruce's mansion where you're talking to uh, the mob boss and you have a very specific choice. You can either cower to his demands or tell him to get the heck out never come back i chose to tell him to get the heck out and the game decided that they would use a different animation than the button i pressed oh geez which changed the whole narrative of my story to bruce caving into this dude's demands even though it highlighted the button i pressed it showed the response i wanted and it glitched to 
the different narrative and it ruined it for me because I said to myself, how can I play through the rest of this game thinking that maybe another thing like this will happen or that I'm going to get to the point in the story where that decision drastically affects the current narrative where I am. And if it was any other property, if it was a walking dead or something else, it wouldn't have bugged me so much, but I had to draw the line. I would say the one game I didn't have any issues with was Fables and Tales of the Borderlands, but I never finished Tales from the Borderlands because I'm I'm crazy. It's so good. And I'm such it's a big, so good. And I'm such a big Borderlands fan, and I'm a huge Chris Hardwick fan, and he's in the game, and I don't know why I never finished it. Also, I I left out Game of Thrones. I didn't finish that either, but I bought the whole thing. I think they ended up giving it away for free anyways. Same with Borderlands. Bought the season pass. I never finished it, which bums me out. But I have a lot of games like that. Like, I'll eventually play it. Gotcha. Um, and just to cap off my rant on it, the whole thing, I think it, it sucks when any company lets anyone off at this time of the year. Yeah. It really does not make me feel bad for any corporation. I I really feel, having worked in retail for so many years, I know that they didn't have to do it now. And that's what I what I hate the most about it. They could have they this isn't something that jumped up on Telltale. They didn't all of a sudden go, we they could have let people go in September. They could have let people go maybe in August. I know that's assuming a lot. And I'm just gonna stick with my assumption because Well, they just got a new CEO in like September. So then, then I blame that guy. <laughs> well, and it probably is. And I'm, I'm sure they brought, they probably brought in a new CEO because they were losing profitability, and they, who knows? I mean, I don't want to speculate completely, yeah. and you know, but that's probably why it's happening now, and it didn't happen two months ago, is because they now have a CEO who's like, look, we got to make some changes if we're gonna, you know, continue moving forward as a company. And you're right, it sucks. Like anytime somebody has to lose their job, it, it's definitely unfortunate. I mean, the question being, and not saying that it's as simple as this or it would work out this way. You know, it's, you know, 90 people, which is 25% of their workforce. So that assumes that they have close to almost 300 people who are still working there. Yeah. Like, is it better to lay off 90 people now to have to lay off everyone in a year? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it, you know, and it, it may not work that way. It may, everything may have been fine either way. But I think sometimes it's like, well, what's, what's the better decision? I don't know. I'm, that's why I don't get paid the big bucks to make those decisions. Yeah. No, I get you. And I mean, I, I, it makes sense in, in a way, like a lot of game developers join companies knowing they'll be fired or let go once the mm-hmm. game is made. So I get that. I mean, and we don't know what they have that they're currently working on necessarily, but I'll tell you what, letting go people aren't going to, is not going to make these games better. Well, unless, unless they're bringing on different people. So, the less people making a glitchy game ain't going to fix those glitches. I mean, potentially. It, it depends on how they're restructuring and, and what they are, you know, are they going to reduce the number of games that they're playing or right. that they're making so that they can That's have right. more people focusing on the engine. There's a lot of theory out there that um, Unity's CEO is one of their board members. So there's a lot of theory that they're going to be bringing Unity in as their engine now um, to help, you know, Stay, and maybe that's what I th- feel like they're they're using their own homegrown thing, 
Um, so that's what a lot of theory is, is that's part of the reason they're getting rid of these people is because they're going to be able to bring in um, a third-party engine to use. Um, who knows if that's true or not? I have no idea. Um, that's why this works. I'm the emotional one. You're the level-headed one. <laughs> You no, keep I, me, you, I, keep me on, uh, you keep me sane and on point. <laughs> I, you know, and it's, I, I actually, I feel it's really unfortunate. This getting laid off at this time of the year is never a good thing. And um, I'm a big Telltale fan for the most part. Like I've played, I think everything other than the Minecraft games. Those are the only games oh, I yeah, haven't played. I didn't played. play the Minecraft ones. Yeah. Right? And, you know, I played Walking Dead 1, 2, and 3, and then three, the, you know, Michonne and 300 Days or whatever it was. And, Tales from the Borderlands was one of my favorite games of that year. That game came out of nowhere. It had no business being as good as it was. And Wolf Among Us was phenomenal. And I'm really glad we're getting a second season of that because they have said anything that's announced is still happening. So we should be getting a new season of that next year. You know, Batman was uh, good. I thought the first season was good. Um, I have purchased um the guardians of the galaxy but i haven't played it yet because i always wait till everything's out i always buy their games when they're on sale because their games go on sale all the time so i think i got yeah. guardians of the galaxy for 10 bucks oh, and nice. I, yeah so i haven't but i haven't played it yet um but yeah i think the the hard thing is is that they do have a lot of technical issues you know i i, I remember in the latest episode of the walking dead or the latest season of the walking dead very specifically um Without was trying to be vague and not spoil anything. If anybody's ever going to play it, like there's a part where you have to like make a choice about some characters, you know, who are going to continue or not continue. And I had made my choice, and then like, you know, the, I have this person who's with me, and then like at one cutscene, it was the other the person who I had not uh, picked was the person <laughs> in the cutscene, and then it went after that cutscene, it went back to being the person I had picked. It was just I was like, I mean, really? And then in Batman, there were situations where I was like. Um, yeah, I was trying to be like really uh, non-violent the whole time, and then they talk about how like brutal I am. I'm like, I didn't do anything. Like, I was super nice. Like, what do you mean how brutal I've been? I haven't done anything, Daddy. One like, I just picture that thing you were talking about in Walking Dead. It's like it would be like going to see Batman Begins, and in the middle of Bruce uh, Christian Bale talking to Alfred, it's Val Kilmer talking to Alfred. Exactly. That's literally like what it was. <laughs> what so. the heck? <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I hope that this results in their storytelling is solid. Like, it, yes, I think most people would agree that it would be nice if the choices they made mattered a little more. Like in like a game like Until Dawn, which like wow, if you played that, like your choices so were all over the map as far as what could happen in that game, even up to the very very end. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, things could drastically change. So the very end, like the yeah, last the, second, <laughs> literally the very end. I mean, things yeah. could drastically change. So. Um, I hope this helps them develop better technical games and that they can continue to tell good stories. And I would be okay with them doing less, but doing it at a higher quality. And if this allows them to do that, like I said, I, it's always unfortunate when people lose jobs. But I don't want to say, but like, oh, this would make it okay. But I'm hoping that as a result of this not good thing, that the quality of the games we get in the future are better because they focus on less are able to, whether it be Unity or whatever they do, increase the quality of the engine, their engine and their technical prowess to at least hopefully get it up to where their storytelling is. Um, and by taking extra time to do that, hopefully they can refine their storytelling even more. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. And I think that that makes perfect sense. I just, I don't know. I feel like for a company that's disappointed in me, I feel like letting people go is the wrong direction emotionally. That's how I feel like. Mm -hmm. 
but I get it. It's just, I don't know, with Bioware and now this and and then uh, and then what we just had happen with EA, like it's just been a bummer of a of a thing. But uh, once again, um, I was super happy to see that uh, Borderlands um, the Borderlands guys jumped right on Twitter and were like, guys, we're so sorry to hear uh, what happened, but Gearbox is hiring. Yeah, come on on. That is the one thing I will say that is very, very cool about the video game industry is that, you know, whenever this happens, like with Runic last week, who I talked about Hob on this podcast and how amazing that game was, and then Runic gets shut down, and you know, it right away people. Are oh like, yeah, hey, we're hiring. Yeah, I know. Oh, so sad to hear that. But like right away, you know, other developers are like we're hiring, we have positions, get in contact. Here's what we get. You know, you know what can we do? And it just, it's just so unfortunate and and I, I don't know if i could handle being in an industry where i'd have to move knowing i'd have to probably move like every three years and having a family where i'd be like all right kids we're going again new school new era. like I th- oh that would be so hard i can't this is why i buy so many games because i don't want these things to happen to people. all right well i think that probably should about wrap up our conversation in regards to telltale because otherwise kevin will yell at us for going too long so josh what do you say should we wrap up this show sounds good well, wow, I can't believe we talked that. That's good. We talked a lot about board games. You're welcome. We did. Uh, thanks for joining us, uh, guys. Uh, remember, find us on social media. That's at board with VG. Uh, use the hashtag, hashtag board with VG. Uh, I'm just going to plug the Instagram. I mean, we're at 69 followers already. Uh, I think that that's pretty good for a four week old podcast, in my opinion. Um, so check us out. We're going to do our best to keep posting, uh, games we're playing. Uh, I'm still waiting for you guys to comment and show me what you're playing. So please do that. Um, Splig, we got your questions. Uh, hopefully your first question we answered. And, uh, I think next week we'll be addressing your second question. So, uh, hit me up if you have specific questions, I'll be happy to respond on Twitter. Uh, it's uh you can hit me up at border VG. I'll respond on that. Or you guys can find me at Josh bones on Twitter, Kyle. Well, you can find me. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, (laughs) PlayStation network, and BGG at psychocross C Y C O C R O S S. Uh, if you have suggestions for future topics, please be sure to write, reach out to us on social media. We love hearing from you, everyone and talking to everyone. Josh is killing it on the Instagram, so make sure you're following the things he's doing. I have to start doing a better job with Twitter, so I'm going to work real hard to do that. Uh, And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. has been a production of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Find more great content at PlaySomeVideoGames.com